After leading his team to an upset win over the 25th-ranked Pitt Panthers in his final game at Purcell Pavilion, Mike Bray summed up his 23-year run as the Notre Dame men's basketball head coach with one iconic quote. We might have lost games at times, but we never lose a party. You are Locked On Irish, your daily podcast on the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up and welcome to Locked On Irish. It is Thursday, March 2nd, and thank you for making us your first listen today. The show is free and available wherever you get your podcast. plus you can watch the show on YouTube as well. If you're listening to the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe. If you're watching on YouTube, throw this video a like below and subscribe to the channel. I'm seeing that number of subscribers grow a little bit on all platforms, and it'll be completely upfront about this with you guys. Uh, my goal is to have at least a thousand subscribers on each platform before the football season gets started. So as you can see, I've got a I've got a long way to go. But you can help me out now by hitting that subscribe button. My name is Tyler Wojak and I am the host. I've been a diehard Notre Dame fan for my entire life. I graduated from the university in 2018 and I've been podcasting about the football team since 2020. I'm also a producer at Fox Sports headquarters in Los Angeles. And look, today's episode is all about celebrating Mike Bray's incredible career as head coach of the Fighting Irish. Today's episode is all about celebrating Mike Bray's incredible 23-year run as the head coach of the Fighting Irish. I'm so happy for him that he was able to go out a winner because he absolutely deserved that. We all know the season has been very disappointing, but for him to get one last great moment in that arena was really cool to see. I mean, Notre Dame handled Pitt pretty much from start to finish. It got a little iffy there at the end. I'm not going to lie. I got a little bit nervous as Notre Dame just forgot how to take care of the ball. And Pitt slowly crept their way back into it at the end. But Notre Dame secured the win by a final score of 88-81. to Everyone was happy, and they all went to the backer afterwards. Shout out to Tyler Horka from Blue and Golden on three. He was documenting the whole night from within the backer. We're seeing Mike Braid take Jameson shots with students. He's embracing athletic director Jack Swarbrick in the middle of the whole thing. I mean, if you've ever been to the backer, you understand that it's not a huge bar. I don't imagine they're typically popping off on Wednesday nights, but they were last night. And uh, for a good reason, man, Mike Bray ends his career or ends his home career rather with a win. And just, it was really great to see. And now all that's left in the Mike Berry era at Notre Dame is a road game against Clemson on Saturday and whatever ends up, whatever ends up happening at the ACC tournament next week. Uh, I think it's safe to say that Notre Dame is on the outside looking in to the NCAA tournament at this point, but I don't know. We'll see what happens at Greensboro. ACC's a little weak this year. Notre Dame just snapped a seven-game losing streak. I'm just saying, don't let this team get hot. Um, in all seriousness, in all seriousness, though, I'm really happy that Mike Bray has been getting the recognition he deserves, not just last night, but over the past two months, ever since he announced that he would be stepping away from Notre Dame after this season. And look, endings rarely ever go to plan. Uh, Just ask Coach K about that. So I think Bray's peaceful exit is a really positive reflection on him and the rest of the Notre Dame program. And look, at the conclusion, 
And at the conclusion of any great run in sports, whether it be a player, a coach, executive, whoever it may be, we as fans always turn to the question of legacy, right? And normally, I think talking about a person's legacy when they're still actively playing or coaching is pretty dumb for the most part. Legacy is all about the past and what is being passed on. So how can we really have that conversation if they're still not done? But I think... Since Spray's time at Notre Dame is all but over, like I said, he probably only has like two more games left. I think we're in a safe spot to talk about it now. So what is Mike Bray's legacy? For me, Mike Bray is Notre Dame men's basketball. I'm 26 years old. So Bray has been the coach at Notre Dame for the past 23 seasons. So literally every single memory I have of the men's basketball program, Bray's been the head coach. It's honestly difficult for me to imagine anyone else patrolling the sidelines in front of the Notre Dame bench because, well, I've I've never seen anyone else do it. Um, I was three years old during Matt Doherty's lone season as the head coach for the Irish, and I have to admit I wasn't super locked into the hoops team at that age, so I hope you'll forgive me. And uh, I was even potty trained during the John McLeod era, so yeah, I don't remember a ton about those games either, but uh, from what I've read, it, it sounds like that was probably a good thing. But let's get back to Bray here. Uh, When I was prepping for this pod earlier and I started to think about Bray's legacy, I closed my eyes and I wrote down the first thing that came to my mind when I thought about Mike Bray. And I encourage you to do the same unless, of course, you're driving. Don't do that if you're driving, please. Uh, But for me, and I'll admit that recency bias kind of plays a part in this, I immediately thought about Bray's hysterical post-game interview um, after the Irish hung on to beat Ruggers in double overtime during during the first four round of the NCAA tournament last year. Bray was telling John Rothstein there better be Irish whiskey on the plane because he's going to drink it all. And then you got the happy St. Patrick's Day, baby, the enthusiasm. It all made for a perfect encapsulation of everything we love about the guy. So when we talk about Bray's legacy, I think you have to start with his personality and the way that it resonated with everyone in the program and in the the fan base. So that's number one for me because, I mean, we're talking about a guy who – refused to wear a tie in the sidelines during a time when nearly every other coach in America wore one during the games. I mean, he used to rock the hell out of the mock turtleneck back in the day, though. The Rock could never. He might wish, but he could never rock it like Mike Bray, um, if you know what picture I'm talking about. Bray eventually ditched the mock turtleneck for an open collar, but still managed to look more and more casual. But no more casual than the time he coached a game in a t-shirt and shirt and shorts during the Maui Invitational Tournament in 2017. And then after his team came down or came back rather from being down 16 to beat Wichita State to win the tournament, he came into the locker room shirtless, flexing his muscles with the biggest lay I've ever seen draped around his neck. And the best thing about it was that it was genuine. Like he wasn't trying to be anybody else but himself and the enthusiasm and excitement he had for his team in that moment it was as real as it gets honestly and how can you not root for a guy like that you can't (laughs) like you really can't Mike Bray did the impossible and made Notre Dame likable to a national audience has that ever happened before almost certainly not at least not in my lifetime and not only that before he was a Notre Dame guy he was a Duke guy He was an assistant on Coach K's staff at Duke for eight seasons, and I know we as Notre Dame fans know that, but I think a lot of people, even people who are pretty locked into college basketball, don't even know that. So how does a guy with an extensive background at Duke, which is one of, if not the most hated team in all of sports, go to Notre Dame, another extremely polarizing school, and still be almost unanimously loved by everyone he comes in contact with? The answer is is a lot like that one scene in Knives Out when Benoit Blanc is trying to solve the murder case, and he says, 
It makes no damn sense. It compels me, though. I think it really boils down to this. Mike Bray embodied everything fun about Notre Dame. There's a certain stigma about Notre Dame people, whether you're a fan of the teams, an alum, or an actual employee and representative of the university. Some of it is fair, some of it is not. But despite what some people might think, there's a lot of people at Notre Dame who love to have a good time. And they're really respectful. They're really kind to everyone they meet. And they want to do the right thing. And I know some of those people are listening to this podcast right now. We're not all elitist or pompous or any of the insults that people shoot our way. Now, don't get me wrong. There, there are some out there. But we could represent all the great things Notre Dame offers in a way that's relatable to everybody. And there are f- few people who have done it better than Mike Bray. And watching Mike Bray's teams were so fun because he was fun. And his attitude was reflected in the style of play that was a staple of every great team he coached. At their peak, Bray's teams were so exciting. They'd space you out. They'd knock down shots from the outside. They'd make the extra pass. They'd confuse the defense with perfectly timed cuts to the basket. And it all made for a really entertaining product to watch. But it also resulted in a lot of wins, too. And that brings me to my next point. Don't let his charisma and the fun-loving nature of Mike Bray fool you. That guy's a fierce competitor, and that competitive spirit is what enabled him to become the all-time winningest men's basketball coach in school history. So coming up next, I'm going to tell you why you shouldn't underrate Bray's reputation as a winner and one of the modern game's great innovators as well. Before we get to that, though, I want to talk to you about FanDuel. The midway point of the NBA season is here, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back. If your first bet doesn't win, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to points scored and threes made. All right, so I gave out Cavs money line and Evan Mobley over on points. In the last episode, that did not hit Celtics. Uh, Celtics beat my Cavs, so that's a little bit disappointing. But I'm pretty excited to watch it. Uh, this Mavs 76ers game tonight on TNT. Dallas is in a bit of a slump right now. They've lost five of their last six games. So, uh, yeah, give me the 76ers to cover tonight on the road in Dallas. FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance to add a bigger payout with the same game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. So I just spent the whole open talking about Mike Bray's personality, and for good reason, right? Like, how can you not look at those pictures last night from him at the backer, and how does that not put a smile on your face, right? Like, he's just a great, genuine dude, and and I love him for all those reasons. But when you step back and think about everything that Bray accomplished at Notre Dame, it's really impressive. So let's go by the numbers here. With the win over Pitt, Bray now has 483 career wins at Notre Dame to 278 losses. That gives him a career winning percentage right around 64%. I rounded up a little bit, whatever. Um, He had 13 appearances in the NCAA tournament, 23 seasons as coach. He had one ACC conference tournament championship, more on that in a bit. And of course, the back-to-back elite elite eight appearances, excuse me, in 2015 and 2016. And one thing about Bray he never made any excuses publicly, at least, uh, about the limitations of the Notre Dame men's basketball program. We all know football is king at the school. but I got to say, when I was a student, we were a basketball school. But we all understand it, right? We all understand what Notre Dame has to deal with. They're not going to be able to get a ton of one-and-done guys, although then again, they did just get Blake, Blake Wesley, who South Bend Cade comes to Notre Dame for one year and then goes to the Spurs, and it uh, looks like he made the right decision there. But 
Notre Dame just isn't an attractive destination for one and done players because you know you got to actually go to class. The academic portion of the school is one of the main appeals, not only to basketball recruits but to any recruit for that matter. So if your intention is to only go to college for one year, why would you go to Notre Dame if the degree is never even an option for you? So he's got to deal with that. Hell, they practice in a literal basement. Uh, for the majority of his career at Notre Dame. Now, of course, they got the upgraded Rolfs facilities, and uh, it's much better. That was probably long overdue for Bray, especially considering the success that the basketball program was happening. And let's just be honest, South Bend, Indiana, isn't necessarily a destination school uh, for college basketball players. And none of that ever mattered to Bray, not publicly at least. I mean, I don't know if he complained behind closed doors, but I don't think he did, at least not that much, because that just doesn't seem like the guy he is. And all that being said, he still had a bunch of success. So it was great to see him embrace that, embrace everything that was uh, everything that's great about Notre Dame, and then use that in building a really powerful basketball program. And I, let's go back here. Today, I put out some tweets um, looking back at some of the best moments of Mike Bray's career at Purcell Pavilion. And one that immediately comes to mind is that five overtime win over Louisville uh, in 20, I believe, yeah, 2013, I believe it was. Yeah, because we're almost, yeah, t- over 10 years, right. I remember, I remember that game so vividly. So obviously I'm from Louisville. I have a lot of friends who are Louisville fans. And we're all at a, at a buddy's house watching that game. And uh, I was obviously the only Notre Dame fan there. I think the only other person rooting for Notre Dame was my friend who was just a Kentucky fan. It was just really rooting for Louisville to lose more than anything. And... With under two minutes to go, I think all my friends like cleared the room. They went to go play pool or something, and I was watching it by myself. And then you know the deal. Jerry and Grant goes on that insane run, and I'm running in there telling them, like, you guys got to come out. Like, Notre Dame's about to tie it. Jerry and Grant's at the line. They're like, yeah, whatever, you're lying. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm being serious. Come look at it. And sure enough, Grant hits a free throw. We go into overtime, another overtime, another overtime, two more overtimes, and then finally – Notre Dame gets the win. That Louisville team, they actually uh, they bounced back from that. They didn't lose another game and went on to win the national championship. But my point is that Notre Dame men's basketball was always able to compete, and it was such a staple of the men's basketball program, at least under Mike Bray, was getting that you know big upset at home, knocking off the top five team. I mean, how they beat Syracuse in 2012. Syracuse was 20-0 at the time, number one in the country they came in. Um, Notre Dame knocked off Boston College way back in uh, 03, I think it was. And uh, Boston College was really good at college basketball at the time. I know that kind of seems foreign now because they've been so bad for so long. Another huge win. I mean, there's so many. Um, In 2015, I was actually a freshman at Holy Cross at the time, but was able to sit in the Notre Dame student section. That's when they knocked off that Duke team, who, again, went on to win the national championship with Julia Lokifer, Tyus Jones, Jaron Grant, another huge game, kicks it to Vesteria for three, for the three in the corner, and just another awesome win. So even though Notre Dame couldn't consistently put up like these dominant seasons, they're not making consistent trips to the Final Four. They won a hell of a lot with Mike Bray as the head coach. But I don't think there's a season that, that perfectly embodies Mike Bray in Notre Dame men's basketball like that 2014-2015 team. It's like the perfect Mike Bray team, right? Because Mike Bray was an innovator. Think about how early he was in on spacing the floor. Positionless basketball. Hell, Pat Connaughton was the four, and I think he was six foot four. That's that's nuts. And now, credit to Connaughton, he could jump out of the gym, he could grab boards, and he could make up for his lack of size with just insane athleticism. But that was sort of the staple 
of the Mike Bray era. Space the floor. He he really emphasized shooting threes well before, uh, you know, Steph Curry and the Warriors revolutionized the entire game of basketball. But that was big of Mike Bray. I remember the early days when they had, like, uh, Tim Abramidis. He They put out four guys who were 6'8 or taller who could all shoot. They were skilled. They could pass. And that's just, you know, that those are the cards that Bray was dealt with, given the limitations that I already discussed. But he never – he didn't. it didn't matter to him. He found guys. He would develop them. And by their senior year, they'd be studs. And they were really, really exciting on offense. And I think, you know, now the, the last few years under Bray have – Obviously been a disappointment. One tournament appearance since 2018 isn't great. And some, you know, some people say the game has passed them by, like the transfer portal, all that. That, I'm sure, has played a part in the fact that uh, Notre Dame hasn't had as much success in recent years. But when you look at the totality of Bray's time as coach at Notre Dame, he was actually a great innovator. And that, those innovations led to so much success. Uh, think about the Ben Hansborough team, Right. Heron Gody goes down that season. He's got to adapt, right? So what does he do? He implements the burn offense where he's just like going to triple, tick, 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 let the clock wind down. Games are going to be super low scoring. They got to be efficient, and they were. They knocked off Pittsburgh when they were number two in the country at Pitt, an awesome win because Bray was able to adapt. He understood the, the circumstances. He was able to get guys who he wanted, who he could develop, and then he would de- develop them into a solid team. Now, he wasn't going to the tournament every single year. No, he wasn't always making it to the second weekend. I feel like a lot of times, actually, that was sort of a, a dig on him, is that even when Notre Dame would have great teams, they couldn't advance to the Sweet 16. But then that all changed with that 2014-2015 team. And then they go back-to-back. Like, did anyone anticipate that after losing Jerry and Grant, Pat Connaughton, Notre Dame would be able to go back to the Elite Eight? No. So I was a sophomore at the time, and I can vividly remember watching that Notre Dame-Wisconsin game. I was at a bar in Louisville, and, like, after they hit that three, Wisconsin did to go up by three with under a minute left. It was not looking really great for Notre Dame. And then Demetrius Jackson just completely took over. He immediately responds with the layup on the other end. Then... They get the steal. Jackson puts the game away. Just an incredible performance. They end up losing to North Carolina in the Elite Eight. But what? it doesn't matter. Like, we as fans of Notre Dame basketball, that's not the most you could possibly ask for, I don't think. But hell, man, two great runs back-to-back. The ACC tournament run was incredible. Being able to beat Duke and then North Carolina in back-to-back nights, no less. So when we talk about Mike Bray, we know he's a great dude, but he's a winner. And he's an innovator. And he really changed the way basketball, at least college basketball, is played. I know that Villanova and Jay Wright, he was a big proponent of positionless basketball, guards all around the floor, guys who were just very skilled. But Mike Bray was a huge part in that too. And I know that um, now that he's stepping away from Notre Dame and we're always going to remember the fun times, like the night, Wednesday night at the backer and all that. But I really hope that when we, when we remember Mike Bray's career, we remember him as a winner and an innovator because he absolutely was. All right, coming up next, we're going to talk about what the future might look like without Mike Bray, which is still a little bit hard for me to believe. So what is the future of Notre Dame men's basketball? So this is something we're going to discuss plenty on this podcast. I'm hoping to have a couple of former Notre Dame men's basketball players come on to discuss this more and what are the expectations and all that. Who do you want in the next hire? There's so much more. So that's all going to be coming up uh, in the coming days, weeks on Lockdown Irish until Jack Swarbrick and Notre Dame announce his successor to Mike Bray. But let's, we got to be honest with ourselves here. The short-term future at Notre Dame is 
not great. <laughs> Let's just be honest here. Uh, only one NCAA tournament appearance since 2018, so it's not like they're riding a tidal wave of momentum here. They lose Trey Wirtz, Cormac Ryan, Marcus Hammond, Nate Leshevsky, and Dane Goodwin. Uh, I think a couple others. And look, I know those guys weren't great this season, but still, that's a that's a lot of guys you've got to replace. They don't have a strong recruiting class at all. As soon as Mike Bray left, I know that a couple guys announced that they wanted to get out of the letter of intent. So I don't know who they're going to be able to bring in. The transfer portal is an option to pretty much everyone else in college basketball, but Notre Dame still hasn't figured out a way to accept undergraduate transfers in a smooth and easy manner. So who knows? And then you got guys like J.J. Starling. He was a top recruit coming into this year. Is he going to stay or go? He hasn't made any sort of announcement. Obviously, I hope that he stays at Notre Dame. But if we're looking purely at the construction of the roster going into the future here, it's not great. But all that being said, it's still a very attractive job. So the ACC is in a down year. Hell, Notre Dame just knocked off Pitt. They were the top team in the ACC coming in tonight. Um, But it's a great basketball conference historically. And then you've got the two heavyweights, Duke and North Carolina. They aren't what they used to be without Coach K and Roy Williams, respectively. Notre Dame just upgraded the facilities, like I mentioned earlier, which was long overdue. And now they've got state-of-the-art facilities, I think they should be able to recruit, and it's clear they're emphasizing basketball if they're putting, if they're investing that kind of money into the facilities. And I think another important aspect of this all is that the fan base has reasonable expectations at Notre Dame. Like I was saying earlier, we all understand that Notre Dame's a football school, right? We understand the limitations that I mentioned. That being said, I don't think the fans are asking for a ton here. Like, Notre Dame should always be competing for the NCAA tournament. Every single year, even in a down year, they should be on the bubble, in my opinion. And then, you know, every three years, hopefully uh, they get a good recruiting class. They're able to develop those guys into getting to the second weekend of the NCAA tournament. Getting to the second weekend is really hard in men's college basketball. It's, it's extremely hard. So if Notre Dame's able to get a run, you know, keep the, I mean, think about last year, right? Notre Dame wins a first four game against Rutgers. They smoked Alabama. And then in the true first round, the round of 64, and then they ended up losing the following round. But still, that was a pretty good, pretty solid end of the season. That was an enjoyable experience as a fan. And I think that that should be pretty much not necessarily the floor, but close to it. Like, that should be the expectation pretty much every year. And, again, Notre Dame has limitations, but they've got a lot of things going for them as well. So who are some options out there? Could Ohio State's Chris Holtman be an option? I would be on the lookout for him. Uh, I think there might be. Mutual interest there. At one point in time, Kentucky actually thought that Holtman was going to be the guy to replace Calipari. Now, unfortunately for Holtman and Ohio State, this year has been nothing short of a disaster. I mean, they are, <laughs> they're god awful, dude. Like, they're, they're so bad. But I don't think that's a reflection on Holtman and like that he's lost it or anything. I think this is just a really bad year at Ohio State. And maybe that could work out well for Notre Dame because. Ohio State fans are insane. <laughs> and I'm just I'm saying that Notre Dame fans have reasonable expectations. Ohio State fans, they do not. And even though they're obviously a football school too, I think what happens with them is they watch the football program all the way up through until like early January, and then the football season ends, and then they look at the basketball team, and they're like, wait, why do you have seven losses, eight losses? Coach needs to be fired. Like, it's ridiculous. And I think Ohio State fans would even admit that they're kind of ridiculous. But – that could be a good thing for Notre Dame. I think Chris Holman is a good coach. could be a good candidate for Notre Dame. Micah Shrewsbury is another one. He's the coach at Penn State. They run a similar offense to Notre Dame. They like to shoot a ton of threes. They're fun. They're exciting. Now, I understand that usually 
when one coach, especially one coach who's been there for a while, you kind of zag on his style. So Mike Bray, obviously very offensive forward, uh, <laughs> didn't prioritize defense a, a whole lot during his time at Notre Dame. So maybe Jack Swarbrick might try to go the other way here and hire a defensive-minded head coach. We've seen other programs do that in the past. I don't know if that's what they're trying to do here, but it's something to monitor. Micah Shrewsbury is not that. He is much more like Notre Dame than he is different. I think that'd be a fun option. If you're going to look at Penn State's record, it doesn't, you know, it's not great this year, but who knows? I mean, Another option for Notre Dame would be try to take a shot at a mid-major coach who's had success at the lower levels and hope that he could continue to do that um, in the ACC. It's a risk. It's, you know, it might pay off. It might not. But then again, that's what they did with Bray. Bray came from Delaware. I would say it worked out. He won more games than any coach in Notre Dame men's basketball history. So we'll see what happens. Um, It's really hard for Notre Dame to actively – to, to do a coaching search in the middle of the season because they can't talk directly with the coaches. I mean, Jack Swerbrick said it recently that they have to go through the agents. They got to go through people close to them to, to e- extend interest basically and say, Hey, we're, we're interested in you and in bringing you to Notre Dame. But they, you know, the coaches are coaching their teams right now. So, and a lot of the guys that Notre Dame is looking at outside of Holtman and Shrewsbury, I don't think they're, they're on the outside looking into the NCAA tournament as well, but those are some guys to monitor. And I think, now that the season is winding down, once we get through conference tournament next weekend, we'll start to get a much clearer picture on who's going to be Mike Bray's successor at Notre Dame. And as I understand it, Mike Bray is going to—he's going to have a say in it to some extent. Um, I believe he said he's going to meet with Swarbrick and they're going to talk about his replacement. Now, Bray's not recruiting guys in Notre Dame anymore, and I—I I don't think he's going to be like, "No, you need to get this guy." And I certainly don't think they're going to promote from within. So. We'll see what happens, and to be honest, we won't have a great idea about the future of the basketball program until Jack Swarbrick finds that replacement, but Bray has shown us that Notre Dame men's basketball can have a lot of success, and they can have a lot of fun while doing it. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of Locked On Irish. Thank you for making this your first listen today and every day. If you're listening to the podcast, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe if you haven't already. And if you're watching on YouTube, please like the video below and subscribe to the channel. For your second listen, go check out our brand new podcast, Locked On College Basketball. Experts Isaac Shade and Addie Patton bring you everything you need to know on and off the court before we get to the madness of March. Well, March is here, folks. So lock in. Plus, you'll hear from big name experts, coaches, and players throughout the basketball landscape, all on Locked On College Basketball. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. I'll see you guys tomorrow.